Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, MidwayUSA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. From the nation's capital, this is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast with your host, Rob Snowett. My name is Rob Snow White. And I host a fly fishing podcast, and this is the 218th episode. I interviewed Jess Westbrook of the Mayfly Project. Now, bear with me in this one. Anytime that we both spoke at the same time, there's a little bit of feedback, but you shouldn't notice it. It's mostly when I ask my questions, but you'll figure out what I'm saying. In this podcast, we're going to learn how a rabbit that likes to go fishing, biscuits and gravy for breakfast, and a personal battle with anxiety lead to teaching children in the foster system to fly fish. The promo code we're going to mention later is this, SB-TMP75, and that is for use at SarahBellaFishing.com, where the proceeds of the Sarabella rods goes to the Mayfly Project. That code again is S as in Sarah, B as in Bella, dash, T as in Thomas, M as in Mary, P as in Paul, 75. If you would like to donate flies or gently used, clean, usable gear, please send to the Mayfly Project at 3541 Harrison Road, Benton, Arkansas, 72019. Hope you all enjoy this one. I look forward to seeing some of you at my booth at the Virginia Fly Fishing Festival and at the Mayfly Project booth this weekend. We are expected to get from zero to 10 inches of snow this weekend, so we're going to see how that one goes. Should be interesting. Thank you for downloading this podcast. We have with us Jess Westbrook today. You want to introduce yourself? Sure. So my name is Jess Westbrook, and I am uh, the founder of the Mayfly Project, which is a nonprofit organization that mentors foster children through fly fishing. We're going to learn more about that. Let's learn about you first. 
Where are you currently? Where are you today? So today um, I'm in Little Rock, Arkansas. So uh, I live in Benton, Arkansas. I grew up there, uh, lived there my entire life. Don't plan on leaving anytime soon. So would I hear you as having a Arkansas accent? Yes, correct. Correct. You probably don't think you have one. No, but you do. (laughs) <laughs> right. Yeah. No, Rob. Everybody tells me I do, but you know, I think that you you guys have accents too, or y'all have accents. Yeah. No, my wife makes fun of me. My parents are from New York, so I have some of their scenes. Yeah. Yeah. My wife thinks that's weird. <laughs> right. Um, right. If we've never met you before, is there a celebrity doppelganger we can imagine while we listen? Oh, gosh. Uh, I've, I've never been asked that question. Um, I guess I have had people tell me um, that I somewhat resemble uh, Kenny Chesney without a beard. You, like, I, I, have a, I have a beard. So, like, if I, if I was clean shaven, maybe Kenny Chesney. But um, I have a beard, so you'll have to just, you know, add that on there, I guess. Who would you just <laughs> say? Like? There's a little feedback when, uh, when I start talking. Hopefully, okay. that, I'll just pause like that. Maybe. Okay, I'm not. I'm not sure. Um, I'm sorry. Can you ask that question one more time, Rob? If you had somebody that you would pretend to, to look like for listening, uh, to be? Uh, <laughs> um, oh man, I don't know. I'm for sure never asked, been asked that question. Um, I would say. Uh, Oh gosh, I don't know. This seems like such a loaded question, and my wife and you know anybody else listening would would definitely make fun of me. Um, I I, I don't know, Rob. I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know. I have no idea, honestly. No, no earthly idea. All right, let's see. <laughs> so you grew up where in, in Arkansas? Like I know Little Rock because yeah, capital. Bill Clinton's from there. Right. Uh, not right. much so, else. What is it known for? What was it like growing up there? Yeah, so um, so I'm from Benton, which is uh, about 20 miles south of Little Rock. So, you know, right in central Arkansas area. I grew up, you know, doing all kinds of fishing, um, you know, duck hunting. There is a – there's a lot of, like, lakes here, you know, as far as, like, great bass lakes. And there's a lot of great, like, conventional bass fishermen that come out of Arkansas. Uh, but we also have – you know, the Little Red River, which um, at one time held the world record brown. And then we also have, you know, the White and the North Fork, which are which are big, you know, bigger rivers, you know, streamer rivers, that kind of stuff. Um, so so tailwaters as far, you know, when it comes to like trout fishing and that kind of stuff. So you're spoiled. <laughs> yes. Yes, for sure. OK. <laughs> what were you like as a kid? Were you out there flipping over rocks and digging up worms? Playing it out in the woods? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, you know, growing up, definitely was an outside kid. Uh, dad always had me out, um, you know, hunting and fishing. And my dad was a, a pink, uh, mainly going to a place in Missouri called Rolling River, Missouri. Grew up fly fishing there, but it was it was really where we just kind of went on vacation. So we'd fish there for, you know, two weeks of summer. But then when I'd kind of come back home, you know, I kind of switched back over to the, the bass and and all that good stuff that was really readily available. Most of the, the tailwaters around me are about an hour and a half each way, you know? So like little reds, an hour and a half. We also have a, another tailwater called the little Missouri that can hold, you know, they, they stock and 
there may be some holdover fish. It kind of gets warm, you know, during the summer months, depending on generation and whatnot. But most of my tailwater and trout fishing is about an hour and a half away. So when I was a kid, uh, it was mainly spent on, you know, ponds and all that good stuff, conventional fishing for, for bass. How'd you get a rod in your hand first? Um, so I'd probably just say uh, my, um, you know, catching brim, you know, with my dad, just like with a, you know, just kind of like everybody does the the story of like a Snoopy pole and all that good stuff, you know, uh, catching brim. And um, my dad would, would take me like bass fishing with him all the time. Like he'd pre-fish for all these tournaments and I'd go with him. And it was kind of funny, like he would take me with him and I can remember like, having like I had like a pet rabbit as a kid I can remember like putting that pet rabbit in my dad's rod box you know like just so like I could go so he'd be off on Fridays so he'd be like Jess what do you want to do and so he coaxed me into going fishing whatever that meant whether that meant you know uh stopping by to get my favorite breakfast or you know taking a rabbit on the boat like whatever whatever had to do to get me to go with him so um, I had a lot of time out on the water with him when I was a a young kid what was that favorite breakfast um it was definitely um sausage biscuits and gravy from mcdonald's no doubt i don't think we ever had biscuit gravy out here oh goodness yeah you're missing out yeah for sure, mean, that's not a normal thing here anyway but i've <laughs> oh, never really? seen biscuit gravy at mcdonald's oh gosh man when i went out that's... to colorado in high school they had fry sauce at mcdonald's and they went around and they'd fill your coffee up i was like what is this <laughs> right right yeah wow yeah, well, biscuits and gravy for sure, Rob. When you you know you get down here to the south or anything, you, you definitely have to order those. Yeah, awesome. we were supposed to go down to the Outer Banks for a couple of days, but most of the families in the neighborhood backed out at the last minute, so it would be gotcha. my kid and just older kids. Okay, so we didn't end up going, but I was planning on going out for some good biscuits, gravy. Bacon, <laughs> right, biscuits. right, right. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. All right, so when was is do you still just is fly fishing your thing now? Um, yes. So you know, I guess you know probably when I was still in college, I got the opportunity to uh, to guide at a lodge in Alaska. When I did that, you know, um, of course I'd fly fish my entire life, but that really heightened my I guess interest in it. You know, so in my my mid like early to mid twenties, so you know, kind of came back to Arkansas and and really focused a lot on fly fishing. And then I would probably say like. Five to six years ago, like I quit doing everything else but fly fishing. So I only, I only fly fish. Like I haven't picked up a, you know, a, a shotgun or anything in like three years. Do what? You said you came back to Arkansas <laughs> from Alaska. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Just when I came back from that guiding stint in uh, during the summer. All right. You know, kind of, kind of. Once then, I got real serious about it, and then, like I said, probably five or six years ago, I turned over to uh, to just doing nothing but fly fishing. Right on. Do you tie as well? Yes, sir. Yeah. So love to tie, man. That, to me, you know, tines um, just as fun as, you know, uh, being out on the water. And it kind of allows me, uh, I have two small kids and I have one uh, that will be here probably within the month. You know, while Laura is worried about getting the house ready for, you know, the new baby, I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. That's cool, Laura. I got to order all these materials. So because I know I've got like a week and a half off, you know, and granted, I mean, I know there will be a newborn to take care of, but this is our third one, right? So we kind of have it under control, knock yeah. on wood, um, you know, but I'm hoping to tie. So, yeah, I love to tie. What are you tying up these days? Um, So a lot of 
Euro style nymphs. You know, I, I, I do a lot of, um, I guess, Euro style nymphing. And so, you know, a lot of nymphs with tungsten beads just focused on, you know, uh, slim bodies and sink rates and all that good stuff. I've not gotten into those yet. <laughs> oh, they're awesome. It's the awesome. Day. Yeah, I definitely I focus on um, basically, you know, tying simple patterns to, um, you know, trying to tie different weights and, and all that good stuff to, um, you know, so I can, I can be versatile in, you know, different water, I guess, situations or different conditions. That is what we do. <laughs> it wouldn't be uh, as fun if you didn't have to go through all those variables and try to figure things out. No, definitely not. I love that. Like to me, that's half the fun is, is trying to figure stuff out and plan for stuff. And I need this in case this happens or, you know, I love that stuff. I love all those variables. So let's start getting into to what you do and how you got into it. Uh, so the Mayfly Project takes foster children fly fishing. Correct, correct. Where did that whole idea come from? Were you out with a kid one day? Do you foster um, children? So it, it actually started um, when my first son was born. So our first son, Case, was born in 2014. When when Case was born, I that was that was obviously you know first kid you know you never know um, exactly what to expect as a parent and uh, it definitely was a shock to my system and when when Case was born I'll never forget seven days after Case was born I had an anxiety attack which I had never had before and I don't know if it was due to like the lack of sleep or excess caffeine or what it was but. Uh, or, or a combination of all of those things. But I had my first like panic attacks and I'll never forget, like I was standing in the shower and I felt my neck and I felt a lump and I thought like it, it ran through my mind. I was like, oh my goodness, like what if this is cancer? When that happened, like this whole, I'll never forget that moment. When that moment happened, like my, my life has changed from that moment on. I started having, you know, I started having anxiety and worry just about like, well, if something happens to me, who's going to take care of case? What's going to happen to Laura? Um, and just played those whole scenarios of just like, what ifs, I you know, which is, way you, know, you know, yeah. But right before case was born, I had a, a, a guy, uh, that I, that I fished with. We just fished with, I just, the first time I fished with him was probably, three weeks before case was born. Um, and he was a local guy here and he's a, you know, casting instructor and he's a really well-known guy. And he's, man, he's just an awesome dude. And he took me out and, uh, I really looked up to him at that time. And um, I mean, I still look up to him, but after case was born, I started having that anxiety and Chris would ask me to go fishing. And, um, Chris was the guy that I looked up to. And, uh, anytime Chris would ask me to go, I would, I would always go because, you know, I looked up to him. I wanted to learn from him. Uh, I would notice when I, you know, stepped in the water, like everything just kind of seemed to disappear. And all I cared about was, you know, catching fish. And so it's like, man, you know, you know, Project Healing Waters and all this stuff. And they, they talk about that, but I'd never experienced it for myself. And so I'm um, actually experiencing that healing with fly fishing just kind of opened my eyes to it. You know, like I just fly fish for fun before then, like now I was actually using it as a healing tool. And so um, I dealt with anxiety for probably about a year, um, like really intensely. And when I say intense, I mean like missing work, 
you know, Laura would sit up at night with me and I'd be like, I would literally be sobbing, worried about whatever, worried if, you know, I had cancer or what if something's wrong with me or, you know, whatever. Uh, you sound like so, a Jewish grandmother. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, I felt that way very much. Um, yeah, like but, <laughs> but, you know, um, so kind of what happened then was we were sitting at church one day and I, I knew that I wanted to give back using fly fishing. I just really didn't know how. And, uh, you know, somebody came to talk about foster kids and I was like, that was the first time it kind of hit me in the face. And I was like, these kids don't have like parents. I'm like, you know, what does that look like? And of course I had all these feelings with case, you know, within the last year. And I'm like, man, like I love this little dude more than anything. Like I don't understand this. And, you know, without my parents, I, you know, I couldn't have got through the last year either. You know, they come and sit with me on the couch when I'm, I'm skipping work because I'm so anxious and I'm a, I'm a 30 year old man, you know? Um, and so anyways, you know, that kind of was like, I told Laura, I, I was like, I really just want to, you know, mentor foster kids. Like that's what I want to do. And so Laura and I started taking kids, you know, in like late 2014, yeah, so that's that's essentially how the inception of the Mayfly Project and the idea came out. And how much of yeah, your spirituality sure. plays into, I don't know if I would, I guess then it was volunteerism, but now it's, it's a, a movement, a... Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Is this yeah. also what you do for a living? Well, so no, it's not. So I'm, I'm at work right now. You know? <laughs> um, but the good thing is, is, is you know... Um, you know, the Mayfly Project pretty much, you know, our lives revolve around the Mayfly Project. You know, my bosses at the, the job that I have now I actually switched jobs about a year and a half ago just to have more time with the Mayfly Project. So I could, you know, bring my laptop in here and, and do this, you know, podcast right now. So, you know, as far as the spirituality, you know, it definitely plays a lot into why I do it. You know, it's not like we require you, you know, to be... Um, a spiritual person to be a mentor. Like we, we totally think that somebody who is, you know, not necessarily, you know, somebody who is not a Christian or whatever can be a great mentor. You know, I mean, it, it, it's the reason why um, that I, 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 I feel like I felt called to do it. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like this is what I was put on this earth to do was to, you know, help heal these kids just like fly fishing helped heal me. If that makes sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. Podcast producer Jason, he and his wife fostered three siblings for a oh, while, man. and now they're Holy officially God. parents. Really? Man, that's awesome. All, all that three kids were under, I think, eight when they adopted them? Yeah, that's that's a big deal. It's, you know, um, fostering and adopting, I mean, that's a that, – that's it takes somebody with a special heart to definitely do that. So, awesome, Jason. I'm, I'm Yeah, way to go, Jason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so how did it go did you guys start off in a park one day and then like how did this all just expand into you being at the virginia fly fishing and wine festival next weekend how'd you go from yeah. 
fostering, yeah. taking out some foster kids to what you have today. Yeah. So that's, this. uh, it, it's been a wild ride for sure, Rob. We, um, you know, uh, so my wife and I were just taking foster kids through like mainly 2014 and 2015. And, and how we did that was, you know, we had some local organizations and we just find kids and, and take them. And there was no real like plan or anything behind it, you know, um, and in 2015, uh, December, we had we got our 501c3. Um, and really what I was going to do is I donate. I just got part time and I was going to donate my uh, my tips to buy my kids stuff. And so I thought, OK, well, I'll do this. So it'll be a tax deduction for you know the few clients that I have and I'll be able to buy kids stuff and all that good stuff. And I was like, well, I'll just I'll, I'll get somebody to do a logo for me and, you know, I'll sell some T-shirts and. Uh, so I contacted Andrea Larco and she, you know, she did our logo, which is amazing. And um, it hit social media probably in like March of 2016, I guess. I got a call from this uh, lady. Her name is Caitlin Barnhart. So she's from Idaho. And she was like, hey, I'm kind of I'm like I'm doing like the same thing you are. I'm taking kids, you know, uh, fly fishing. And, um, you know, I think it's healing. And she actually has a, a lot of experience like in social work. And she was like, yeah, we should totally, we should, you know, like make this a thing. And I'm like, well, uh, oh, okay, I think so, you know. And and uh, so, yeah, so, you know, we all talked about it. We talked about it for probably, I and mean, we talked about it for weeks. Like, is this possible? Can we do this? And so uh, Caitlin and I teamed up and uh, basically, you know, started with projects. I think in 2016 we had, you know, we mentored 25 kids in two different states, which is just Arkansas and Idaho. And then, uh, last year we mentored 69 kids and I believe those were from six different states and this year 2000 well I guess it's technically 2019 but 2018 uh, we mentored 112 kids from 12 different states which ends up being I think there was like 16 different projects total so some states have more projects I think Colorado has like three active ones and two that are trying to get up and going so um, yeah it's been a wild ride for sure Rob and um We've definitely been blessed with all of it. So when you say the project, can you explain how these goes on in different cities or states? Are there yeah, a chapter yeah, sure. breakdown? How does one start one? Yeah. So, you know, um, so basically, uh, you know, we have um, online applications. And so, you know, if somebody's interested, you know, if there's not one or somebody's interested in one, you know, they basically just fill out an application and, and we get an email. And, uh, you know, kind of what will happen is, if this person decides they want to join an existing project or they want to start one, you know, that's, that's kind of our first step. Like, okay, is there anything around you? And if not, we'll, you know, we'll talk to them and see if they're interested in starting one. So starting a project uh, can be time consuming and can take, oh man, you know, anywhere from six weeks to six months to a year. You know, we've, we've actually had some projects, uh, one of our projects in Nebraska took us, I think nine months to actually find kids. Um, so, you know, basically what will happen is somebody sends us an email and, you know, if we decide we want to start a project, uh, we, we, of course, walk them through this whole process. But basically we have them gather their mentor team. And so normally we like to have, you know, anywhere from three to five mentors just to start out. Just that way there's like accountability. You know, also, let's just say somebody's sick. You don't have to cancel it. You know what I mean? So you need to have a kind of a group of people. You know, once that happens, we'll start looking for kids. And typically we like to find kids that are in group homes. And so kids that are in group homes, 
most of the time have been in care for a while and they're going to be in care for a little while longer. So, you know, um, we like to find group homes and kind of team up with them. And uh, we normally mentor our kids through five sessions. Those sessions are done in the six month window. And in those sessions, you know, we teach our kids everything from casting to fly tying to entomology to keeping our rivers clean. We talk about conservation, how to hold a fish. You know, we have this whole curriculum that our kids go through. And then on their last outing, on the fifth session, uh, we like to take our kids to do something special, you know, whether it's an overnight trip or just a day-long trip, you know, um, on a river or whatever it is. And uh, we give the kids everything to fly fish on their own. So we give them a fly rod, a pack, you know, flies, nippers, hemostats, everything. So, um, you know, basically we want to take these kids from, you know, point A, which is not knowing maybe even what fly fishing is to, you know, point B, you know, hopefully loving it and having all the gear to do it on their own and hopefully find, you know, some sort of, you know, healing and emotional, you know, emotional healing, I guess, uh, just like I found in it, you know, so we hope they, they, they turn to that. They turn to fly fishing versus turn to something bad. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, like drugs or, you know, alcohol or whatever that may be. Who provides all that gear? <laughs> yes. So, um, so we have some, uh, some very, um, you know, people in the fly fishing industry have definitely embraced us. So we, uh, you know, we get a lot of our gear, um, from, you know, like Cortland, TFO, Fish Pond. So most of the time, you know, we, uh, we get these gears, we get our gear from, um, you know, typically going straight straight to companies and asking for support. Right. And then how is Sarabella from Denver working with y'all? Yeah. So um, so that's something that's very new. You may have seen that. Um, so Sarabella, what they're going to do is, uh, you know, anytime you buy a rod, uh, they're going to, you know, and use this uh, particular promo code. They're going to donate um, a portion of that rod sales to uh, the Mayfly project, which will help fund, you know, fund our projects, I guess. Do you know that promo code off the top of your head or just everyone will see it when they follow you on social media? Cause that's what everyone's yeah. going to do. Right. Listeners. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> right. Right. Yes. Yes. No, um, I don't know what it is off the top of my head. We'll look it up or I'll have it in. The, I'll, I'll get it in there somewhere. Okay. We'll, we'll okay. 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 All right. Cool. So we know cool. we're getting the gear now. How, when you've got kids in foster homes, do they go with, does, how, how do these kids find out, you know, you like, Hey, let's go fishing instead of playing video games. Like, how do you find yeah. kids that are willing to go outside and get a little dirty, get in the sun and go yeah. fishing? It's, it's funny. So, you know, a lot of times they're typical, you know, can be typical teenagers. So some kids are super stoked and, you know, they fish before and they're really excited about coming. And some kids, you know, like when they show up, they're like, well, I'm, I'm not fishing or I'm not touching a fish. We're like, okay, cool. You know, well, you know, what we kind of tell everybody is we meet these kids where they're at. You know what I mean? So it's not like, you know, if we have a kid that's like, well, I'm not fishing. It's not like, you know, we're like, okay, we'll move to somebody else. You know, we may start out, well, okay, well, let's just talk about this or, you know, um, let's, let's go sit down and just look at some of these flies, you know, try to get them interested. A lot of times, you know, uh, just – you know, when, when they see all of their, you know, their other friends uh, or people in group homes, you know, all their, all the, all their peers, 
um, doing it and having fun. Generally, you know, they'll pick up the fly rod and uh, they'll end up having just the greatest time as everybody else. But, you know, um, it can be challenging sometimes, you know, that very first outing. And then typically after the first outing, man, they're stoked to go. Like, they're ready. You know, I mean, they're – they'll be – we laugh. Like, I can't remember. There was a a kid this last year in Arkansas – you know the uh, the group group uh, group home leader. You know he's like, man, he'll be he'll be out in the car waiting thirty minutes for it's time to go. You know what I mean? Like he's you know. So we'll have some kids that really just eat it up too, which is awesome to see. Let's go into the statistics of how many kids out there in foster homes, the percentage of them that get into homes. Like what? I'm assuming most of us don't know too much about the foster system. Yeah, so, so you can go into some of that and tell us about these kids. Yeah, so you know, on typically in the U.S., and I'm just these statistics are literally off the top of my head. Um, you know, um, so in the U.S., at any given time, um, you know, there are like 425,000 kids in foster care. Wow. Um, and one thing that we like to tell people, you know, these these kids aren't in foster care because of something they did; it's because of something they're their caretaker did. You know what I mean? I mean, these kids are in the system. Yeah. They're not, they're not in here, but like you said, because of their choice, they're in there because, you know, um, whoever was supposed to be taking care of them wasn't doing an adequate job. So, um, you know, there's, there's, you know, 425,000 kids in foster care. Um, You know, I I believe there are, there's about 25,000 kids that age out of the system every year. So when I talk about aging out, you know, basically what will happen with the kid is, you know, they'll turn 18 and most of the time the kids will, you know, go out into the world on their own. So I don't know about you when you were, you know, 18, but I definitely wasn't ready for something like that, <laughs> you know. Um, so, uh, you know, and out of those those um, those 25,000 kids that, you know, are, you know, get put out on the streets, there are, you know, staggering statistics about uh, teen pregnancy and and all kinds of other things that will happen. I think that, you know, with the kids that age out, one in five will become homeless, you know, by the time they're 18. And then, um, you know, 42% of those kids that age out will be convicted of a crime. So, you know, it's just this big cycle, you know, stuff that keeps happening. Most of the time, you know, uh, their parents came from bad situations. So, you know, it's just this vicious cycle. And so we're hoping, you know, uh, we hear all the time about how fly fishing changed people's lives. And um, I, I mean, I do know what it is about fly fishing, but fly fishing in particular. So we're hoping that, you know, uh, by giving them, you know, the gift of fly fishing, that they will dive into that instead of something terrible, basically. Is there an average age for kids that come out to fish? Um, so not really. Most of them are, you know, I would say like 12 to 18, basically. We, we, we tend to find there's a lot of older kids. Now we will get, we will get some kids that are younger, you know, eight or so. You know, we typically tell most people about eight and up is, is generally what we'll focus on. Okay. What's the liability <laughs> like taking a child from foster care out onto water where there's Holy circles cow. flying around? Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's a really good question. So, you know, obviously, I mean, we just like any other, I'll use, you know, business, uh, you know, we have insurance for all of that stuff. And then, you know, we also have all these policies in place as far as, you know, there's, there's always, you know, we got like a, a two to one policy, whether it's two kids to one adult or two adults to one kid, um, you know, that way there's always, 
accountability there. And, uh, you know, same thing with like safety glasses. You know, we actually, uh, one of the new parts of our program is we came out with, uh, these, these buttons our kids can earn. And so one of them is this surprise button, I'll call it that, uh, that you get for wearing your glasses, you know, like without having to be told, because some of these kids, you know, they'll be cast and like, next thing I'll know, I'll look over and they'll have their glasses off. And they're like, yeah, you gotta put your glasses on. You know what I mean? And then I'll turn around like two minutes later and their glasses off are again. So yeah, you know, definitely uh, trying to keep the kids safe is, is one of our um, biggest priorities. You know what I mean? Like you said, cause there's a lot of hooks flying around and I'll hook myself, you know, much less trying to have, you know, 10 kids out there trying to learn how to cast and all that good stuff. Are they all fishing for themselves? Um, yeah, for the most part, we, you know, we, um, we try to, so, so the funny thing is, is, you know, a lot of our stuff is, you know, we, we, we accept a lot of donations, so we'll pinch the barbs down, you know, so we may get barbed hooks in for whatever reason, but we'll, um, we'll have the mentors pinch them down before the kids fish. What would a <laughs> typical outing start like? Can you run us through the day? And yeah. I just want to yeah. know, like, the kids' reactions to just being out there. Fishing. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the, you know, a typical outing, uh, most of the time lasts two to four hours, unless we're talking about the last outing, which like we talked is a bigger outing, but you know, two to four hours, uh, definitely, you know, starts out with casting practice most of the time. Um, you know, we're just throwing yarn flies and hula hoops and, you know, we even come, you know, I think Kate came up with this fun game of, you know, okay, if you, you know, you cast in a hula hoop, you know, you get to throw a water balloon at your mentor, you know, so we'll start out with something fun like that. And, you know, we'll, uh, you know, anytime we're hitting the river, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll talk about fish handling. Um, you know, we'll talk about um, what lives in the stream. Uh, entomology, we'll talk about, you know, we'll, we'll turn over rocks with them. I mean, you know, showing kids bugs. They eat that stuff up, you not know. So, yeah, right. Yeah. There's not yeah, kids yeah, slurping yeah. down caddisflies. <laughs> Look at Peter yeah, over right. there, man. He's got a elder bites. Yeah, no, but you know, um, so so we'll do that, and most of the time, you know, we'll have snacks and drinks and all that good stuff. You know, we'll kind of, you know, we'll huddle up and we'll talk about, you know, um, at the end we'll always huddle up and go, okay, well, you know, what was your favorite party about today? What was what was, um, you know, what did you dislike about the day? And 90% of the time, you know, when, when we first started this, I was like, well, we got to get our kids on fish. We got to get our kids on fish. And I come to, I've come to realize, you know, uh, the further we get into this process that they actually just want us to be there. You know, like I can't tell you how many quotes I've heard of like, you know, oh, well, we're, you know, we're just so happy that you guys showed up, you know, because a lot of times these kids are relying on people that are, Unreliable. Yeah. yeah, unreliable. You know, that's all they've known is, you know, okay, well, you know, somebody's going to come pick you up for this or whatever, and then they don't show up, you know. So that's kind of one of the number one things we preach to our um, our projects is, like, we do not cancel. Like, we just don't. You know, I mean, now, granted, I mean, you know, the group home can cancel, and, you know, if, they, if they've got stuff going on or whatever, but, you know, if we say we're going to be there and, you know, let's just say it's raining. Okay. Well, we're going to move it inside and tie flies. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're going to be there. We're going to be there. So um, we kind of preach that a lot. I just picture Andy out there with the fly rod. <laughs> oh man. It's um, going to be another logo. Like, that might be offensive. Yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> oh man. It's definitely awesome to, uh, 
to watch how fast kids pick up, you know, on podcasting and stuff too. I think us as a, you know, once we get into adulthood and that kind of stuff, we kind of lose. I don't, I don't know if it's pride or what it is, but you know, our kids typically, man, they pick up casting and all that stuff super fast. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Yeah, I, my kid clients, I had a kid that was five uh-huh. Four years old, and he just picked up the rod and just started casting. Like, <laughs> and then he catches this huge bluegill, and he looks at me and he shouts, "I thought it was gonna be as big as a hot dog." And I kind of paused and just said, "Hmm, yeah, I've never heard that before." <laughs> right, right. <laughs> he hammered largemouth and bluegill, and he had never. I mean, you give that rod to a grown up, and you know, it's like having them switch fork and knife in their hands. They don't know what to right. do. Right. Yeah. No, you're right about that. It's crazy. I think kids listen also. They, yeah. When you tell somebody you're, stop your arm there, and then like eight casts later, they're still doing it, and they're like, "Why, <laughs> why am I so tired?" I'm like, "Well, you're bending your elbow and you're hitting the water on your back cast. With your <laughs> right. You're making yeah, like, like the rod to a full windshield there. wiper. Swipe. Right. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Are all the kids into it? Do you ever catch kids that hook a fish and then freak out? I've had clients do that. Um, yeah, so it happens, you know, like not wanting to touch them. And, like, you know, it's really funny. We had a kid uh, two years ago here in Arkansas. And, you know, through the first four sessions, I mean, he was kind of into it, but not really. You know, I mean, he cared more about, like, putting stickers on his water bottle than anything else. Um, of course, I guess, you know. Typical fly fisherman, right? Just likes putting stickers all over. Yeah. But, um, you know, uh, we kind of joked because um, our very last session we had backed up into January, and it was going to be really cold. And uh, the kids had a cabin that they could go back to if they got cold and all this stuff. And we were just joking, you know, saying, oh, well, you know, um, I can't remember what it was because we took, like, some games or something they could play. You know, we were joking about, you know, who's going to stay out there. And, you know, it was actually one of the, the, uh, the foster parents talking about it. And, uh, they're like, yeah, you know, if he's not really into it, we'll just leave. And man, that dude stayed out there forever. I mean, once we put him out and he, you know, I think that was maybe his first time fishing cold water, you know, like we'd done some brim stuff and stuff like that, but you know, being, you know, he got, he got in a set of waders and man, once that dude got out in the middle of that stream, I mean, he stayed there all day long. I mean, it was like 18 degrees. It was crazy, you know, and he was actually the last one out there. So it's funny, you know, even if um, they start out not wanting to do it, you know, it always seems like for the most part, they'll end up, I mean, just eating it up. You ever have kids that have been adopted and then come back? Yes, all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, uh, man, I mean, all the time. I don't know um, if you know this, Rob, but we, we actually film um, some short films, like, trying to get our kids adopted. So, uh, in 2017, I believe we filmed four films, uh, and three kids got adopted because of them. 
And then this last year in 2018, filmed four kids as well. Um, I know that we've had one kid placed, um, you know, but that process takes so long. Like, you know, if a kid, uh, if, if somebody wants to adopt a kid, there's like a six month, I'll call it a trial period that they have to live in their house and all that good stuff. So it takes a little while for this stuff to be finalized. But yeah, um, I mean, all the time, like we have, we've had kids, uh, we have one kid, uh, Sophia, as a matter of fact, uh, she was, she started fishing with us in 2016. So I guess this is, you know, this will be like her second or third or third year. I don't know. I mean, yeah, we have kids that come back all the time. So uh, we really try to, you know, a lot of times we're staying in contact with like their parents, you know, their foster parents, just because they're real into it. And they're like, Hey Jess, just let us know, you know, when you're going to be up, you know, at dry run or whatever, and we'll bring the kids by. And they, I mean, the kids always show up. It's awesome. It really is amazing that you're taking kids fishing and then also helping them get adopted, like just giving the, helping them get an entire new life. Yeah. Just that, fishing. Yeah. That, that was kind of a fluke, you know, like, uh, you know, obviously networking with, with people, you know, in Arkansas, uh, you know, that are in the foster, foster care, I'll call it, I'm not going to say industry, but you know, in, in that uh, world, I'll say, um, yeah, I met with this lady, and, and um, she runs an organization called Project Zero, and they solely focused on getting kids adopted. I was like, well, you know what? Like, the fly fishing industry, like, is all about, you know, photography and videography and all that good stuff. I was like, we should team up and film a video together. And she was like, absolutely, let's do it. And I think it, I think it was the – First video we shared got like 30,000 views, um, I think. And Nick and Sophia were both adopted because of it. And in the second video we shared, um, you know, we had some some awesome, you know, like our sponsors and stuff share this stuff too. He got like 60,000 views on Facebook in a week. It was crazy, you know. So it's funny, you know, using, I guess, um, you know, what the – I guess what the fly fish industry loves, which is, you know, they seem to love videography and photography and that kind of stuff. And it actually ends up helping these kids like find forever homes. It's awesome. Have you, besides YouTube, have you had a local news station come out and done any local stories? Yeah. So we've had uh, a few, um, a few local stories done on us, you know, but a few local stories done here in Arkansas. Uh, we've actually had some done in, I think Utah, and a couple other places. But yeah, we've had some some local coverage for sure. Fantastic. I've got some questions also about the tournaments. I know Molly hosted one out yeah. here in the fall. So how do those get organized and how does that benefit the project? Yeah, so so like you said, Molly Simpkins, uh, she organized our first two fly event uh at Rose River Farm. And uh, you know, Molly and Heather Sees, so Heather is from Pennsylvania. Um, did most of the organization on for that tournament. And man, I mean, they just, they killed it, honestly. You know, Rob, like I, I basically told them, you know, because like I told you earlier, I have a full-time job and I, you know, I keep, I, I do all of the, the bookkeeping and stuff like that for the Mayfly Project. And I was like, if you guys want to do this, like y'all are going to have to do it. And I just, you know, we gave it to, uh, to Molly and Heather and they just ran with it. And so, uh, we had a great turnout, you know, we had 24, um, anglers, we filled it up and we had some awesome, had some awesome, uh, raffle, 
um, prizes and giveaways. And uh, we had some custom trophies done by like Amanda Wilshire out of uh, Denver, who's a amazing artist. And uh, yeah, we put, put all that stuff together, man. We raised, raised a lot of money for uh, our new projects in 2019. So we, we kind of tell a lot of our people that are starting our new projects to just worry about getting the project up and running and being stable. Don't necessarily worry about fundraising per se. Uh, the money that we raise there is going to go to help, uh, you know, fund all of our, t- our new projects in 2019. Any projects that you know about now that you can mention? Um, yeah, well, so we, uh, you know, this year we ended up having, I think, 16 different projects. Uh, next year we have on the schedule to have somewhere in the upper twenties, you know, I'm trying to think about new States that we're thinking about new States will be Pennsylvania, Virginia, West Virginia, Kentucky, Georgia, Texas. We'll have a couple new projects in Colorado. Let's see, Michigan, Iowa. Ah, man, there's a lot, Rob, honestly. There's, there's so it's many. Expanded. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. And so, you know, we kind of, you know, not all these kids, you know, most of these projects will have four to five kids in them. You know what I'm saying? It's not like each project's going to have 20 or 30. You know, most of them, you know, the majority of, you know, we have, we work with one of the group biggest group homes in Arkansas, and I think they have like 19 kids, you know, at, at max capacity. So, like I said, most of these projects will be mentoring five to six kids, which is okay. You know, we're not necessarily about, you know, pumping just a bunch of numbers through our system. Like, we actually want to give these kids a tool to hopefully, you know, use to to do something else with their life, you know. And, again, I mean, you know, we it's just fishing, but it's actually not just fishing. You know, when they when – they, when, we, when we're working with them, when we're teaching them how to tie flies and we're teaching them how to do all this stuff, they develop actual life skills. You know what I mean? So, like, you know, tying on, tying on a fly, let's just say on, like, 7X Tippet, you know, can take patience, you know. And so we're actually trying to teach these kids, like, okay, you know, you know that patience that, you know, it, it takes to, you know, tie on a fly? Like, you actually have to have that patience, too, like, when you're – you know, just in everyday life, like let's just say at school, you have to have patience to wait your turn to do something or, you know, uh, you know, well, let's say we go up to, you know, um, the river and we really want to catch a fish and fishing's just tough that day. Like we, you know, we build grit, you know, create persistence, you know, same thing. Like you're working on this math problem at school, like persistence, you know, keep at it, you know, it's okay. You can do it. You know, we're building confidence and, you know, hopefully, you know, like I said, we're, we're pointing out those, everyday life skills that they are learning, you know, and, and they're not necessarily even realizing they're learning. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Anything else about the project you want to talk about before I go into some silly questions? Oh gosh. Um, well, we so, got the Virginia show coming up. Yeah. The Virginia show's coming up. You know, Heather C's will be there and Nicholas Carley. Um, so Nicholas is going to be, he's going to be running our Virginia chapter that we're trying to get up and going. Um, so they're going, they're both going to be there. Uh, we're going to have a booth there and have some, uh, you know, some, some free stickers and whatnot. So, you know, you guys definitely come by and, and check out the booth and uh, talk to Heather and Nicholas for sure. All right. Where can we find you on social media? And so, how can so people also donate if, you need donations because you are a 501c3. You know, so obviously we have all the major social media accounts as far as, 
you know, Instagram and Facebook. And so you can just, you know, look up, you know, I think both of our um, handles are just, you know, at the Mayfly Project. So, you know, just look us up on social media. And then, you know, we also have like a text to give number. So, you know, if anybody wanted to give, you could just text give to one five zero one two three eight six six one one, or you can go to our website uh, and there is like a giving tab uh, that has options on on how to give and and ways to give and all that good stuff. So we accept, you know, we also accept a lot of in kind donations. So you know, if you have like an old set of waiters. Uh, that preferably don't have like a quarter size hole in them. Uh, we would love to. Yeah, right. Nickel size, I can fix that. You know, penny size, I can fix that. But no, I'm just, you know. Uh, so, you know, uh, we take all that stuff too. So uh, we definitely need need all that stuff. What about flies? Do you need Oh, my goodness. Flies? Yes, yes. So we always use flies. Um, I think this, you know, this last year, um, man, so we, we also do this event called the One Fly event where you you know you buy raffle tickets and get flies with it. We raffled off an adipose boat this last year, which was which was pretty cool. And thanks to adipose for that. But you know, so I think this last year we probably went through almost ten thousand flies. You know, um, between our projects and just our you know our events like that and whatnot. So we always need flies. Okay, we'll do okay. a title for fly riders night where we all tie oh, cool. donate. Yeah, no, that'd be awesome. Thank you, guys. Absolutely. All right, let me get into some non-serious questions then. Ready? Oh, goodness. Okay, uh, I guess. Best sandwich you've ever had? Uh, best sandwich. Um, I'm going to have to go with um, Firehouse Subs. I know that's a chain, but I really love their New York steamer, and I could eat two of them for sure. They don't have the like Cleveland they're... kind, do they? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't know. Don't, don't look <laughs> it up. Okay, I won't. I won't. I won't. Uh, worst place you've ever fished? Oh gosh, worst place I've ever fished. I'm going to say Kansas. Uh, so my wife and I have a goal to catch a fish on a fly rod in every state, and uh, catching one in Kansas wasn't necessarily the funnest or easiest. I stepped in a cow patty too, walking up the pond dam. So you it know. happens. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a ridiculous phobia? Um, other than like all the anxiety I talked about earlier, um, I would say my biggest phobia is probably spiders, for sure. Which I feel like is legitimate. Huh? You got big spiders out there? Um, not really big spiders. It's more of the small ones that can get places where I don't really know that they're there that really scare me. Like your belly you know button? I mean? uh, <laughs> No, 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 I mean, you know, I was thinking more of like shoes or clothes, but, okay. you know, I guess belly button, yeah, that's really good. When is posing with a fly rod on your shoulder okay? Oh, my gosh. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say if it takes both hands to hold the fish, like if the fish is big enough to require you to hold it with two hands. All right. What I about mean, people you know, that do that on the edge of a boat in 100 feet of water? <laughs> um yeah uh, no no yeah it's never i take it back it's never okay rob it's never ding okay. ding ding <laughs> um, favorite harrison ford movie i'm just gonna have to go old school and say indiana jones very good what would you tell your younger fly fishing self oh goodness definitely 
Don't worry about the pattern. It's all about presentation. That's good for everybody. Yeah. Strangest thing you've seen on the water. Um, I was fishing in North Carolina um, earlier this year, and it rained. Like, So we went on this vacation. Uh, it was solely like a fishing vacation, right? And we were going to fish like the Nantahala and uh, the Ravens Fork and fish a bunch of rivers over there. I didn't mention this like in my backstory, but we actually have a girl that lives with us that is uh, – she's 20 years old now, and both of her parents passed away. Um, when she was in high school. And so this was our first trip with Hannah. And so we had two small kids and Hannah, which we had, you know, we, we had known her for a little while, but you know, I mean, it was still new, her living with us. And we went over to North Carolina for 10 days of fishing and it rained all 10 days. And so, you know, I'm over there to fish. So I was still fishing anyways. And I was in the water and it was, I mean, the river was getting it. So I couldn't get that far in it, but a beaver like, literally almost ran into me like that's how high and muddy the water was where i almost got ran over by a beaver so that's that's that would be the most interesting thing that i've ever seen almost being you know sw- you know knocked over by a beaver so then we would have had <laughs> jess got ran over by a beaver and grandma got run over by a reindeer right no that's exactly right yeah. About you. right yeah so that's the strangest thing i think i it just made me laugh like i thought it was really funny you know well, um, the last episode, they, got, they saw an elk pick up a fly rod and, like, drag it through the river with the fly on the water. Really? It didn't catch anything, but if it had, that would have been even more bizarre. <laughs> That's awesome. That's if you had awesome. access to uh, DeLorean with a flux capacitor and plenty of plutonium, where in time would you go to fish before humans had ruined it all? Um, I would probably... I would probably, you know, say maybe Alaska um, to fish like, and I know that's probably not a very good place. So, you know, but like, you know, they have some huge like king runs and stuff up there, uh, like on the Nushigak and stuff like that. So I think I'd like to go back to the Nushigak and just be like by myself with nobody else there, you know, no even though it's pretty remote as it is, but you know, nobody else on the water, just like be by yourself um, and try to catch like a freaking monster, you know, the 60 pound <laughs> on a fly rod. Yeah. That's what I'd love to do. Also before the last question, how much of your work in Alaska helped you teach kids and just prepare all of this? Um, so, you know, working in Alaska was, you know, it was a lot of hard work, you know, so I, I was, um, you know, still pretty young. And so there's a lot of seasoned guys there. Um, but I feel like, you know, being in Alaska, you know, uh, it just takes you away from everything, um, which is which is pretty good to just kind of find out about yourself. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, when you're up there and, you know, you're waiting on class to come or whatever, and you've got, you know, three days by yourself, you know, at camp or whatever. It's a lot of good time to just figure out who you are as a kid um, or, or as, as a person. And as far as like teaching kids, uh, you know, definitely taught me patience. Uh, sometimes I feel like, you know, I, like I told you earlier, I mean, I feel like adults can be harder to teach than kids a lot of times, just like you said, because a lot of times they don't listen and stuff like that. So um, I would say I developed a lot of patience up there, I would guess. 
My final question for you, hot dogs, ketchup or mustard? Uh, definitely mustard, for sure. Yeah. All right, Jess Westbrook, <laughs> it's been a pleasure having you on, and yes, thank your boss, thank Lumberg, you. for the time, and thank you for your time. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, thank you so much. Um, you know, I really appreciate you, Rob. Appreciate what you, what you do, and um, man, love the podcast, and uh, yeah, man, no, I really appreciate it. Absolutely, and we'll catch up with your volunteers at the Virginia Show week okay. from tomorrow. Awesome. Sounds great. Thank All you right. so much. And I hope the reverb that I'm hearing didn't record. <laughs> okay, yeah, me too. Me All too. Right, Knock on wood. Thanks so much. All right, buddy. Thank you. All right, bye. Thank you for joining us for the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. For more information or to contact Rob, please go to www.robsnowwhite.com. search for the one they call king but who will take his throne tune in to waypoint tv's battle for silver saturday may 18th from 12 to 6 p.m eastern presented by abyss battery waypoint tv a life that has the stories to back it a life to be proud of it's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. Six, eight Western. Oh, I'll be over there, baby, right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.